0: I'm Emma. I'm
1: Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> I'm having a great time. I'm Shannon. And this is This Podcast Doesn't
0: Exist. Take two or three, depending. <laughs> Where I put anything. Yes. Um, if you'd like to play bingo with this episode, go to our link tree in our Instagram bio yes. and click on it. It will generate you a new bingo card every time yes and then you can play the fun
1: game that i've been playing since the start of this which is am i organically funny or am i just trying to add in references that will be on the bingo card (laughs) are you rigging the game for yourself i'm not reading the game no rigging oh no not intentionally okay but I did listen to our first two episodes and then create the bingo card. Oh, I see. So I feel okay. like I put things that will pop up frequently. And if you want to know what those things are, go to our Instagram at this podcast doesn't exist. Doing it all so up you top. can play along. Play
0: along. So yeah. What are we learning about today? Today, my friend. Y'all, y'all need to buckle in for this one, because this is going to be a lot. Yep. I know Click. <laughs> I know last week was a lot. Um, this is also a lot, and it is the missing case, missing persons case of Mara Murray. Do you know anything about this? The name sounds familiar. It should. It's a pretty famous case.
1: We'll see if we have any light bulb moments okay. throughout the
0: podcast. Podcast. All right, so... On February 9th, 2004, Mm -hmm. police were called to the scene of an accident off the side of Route 112 near Woodsville, New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. where a witness had claimed to see a young woman with her car waiting for assistance. When the police arrived, there was no one with the car. This young woman, Mara Murray, has been missing ever since. I feel like, yes. Yes, I think, you know it.
1: I think I've read a couple, like, medium articles because back, like, a year ago when we first started talking about having this podcast, <laughs> but I was procrastinating and didn't have my life together, Emma mentioned that she wanted to do this, and yes. I was like, who's that? And I went and I read some articles, but this will be a fun, Refresh. probably not fun, it'll probably be terrible and sad, but it'll be a refresher.
0: yes. So, just up front, there is a lot of information in this, and not a lot of, like, expounding upon the theories. Mm. So, there, there are theories, and we'll get into them, but it, the majority of this is going to be all of the information about this case. So, let's just back up a little, and let's talk about Mara and the days before she disappeared. Mm-hmm. So, Mara Murray was a 21-year-old nursing student who was attending the University of Massachusetts Amherst, in t- in two thousand four. So Massachusetts Amherst is where Jeffrey went to school. Jeffrey our previous <laughs> our previous roommate who used to live in the basement. Thanks for the podcast
1: futon, Jeffrey. Yeah. At- you yes, left yes it that's here. true. <laughs>
0: it's just it's like you're here with us. Aww. It's also where my high school best friend went to went to college. Um all right so she transferred to University of Massachusetts, Amherst, after her freshman year um, from the U.S. Military Academy, where she had studied chemical engineering for three semesters. Oh, wow. So she's a smarty. Um, her dad... Wait, she left the military to go to... Yes, to, to UMass Amherst. Amherst. Okay, got it. Um, her dad was a medical technician, and her mom was a nurse, so it kind of made sense that she had an act for science. This was already, like, in her zeitgeist. Like, she she knew the world, and I think she was really interested in it. She was from Hanson, Massachusetts, where most of her family still lived, um, she had three older siblings, two older sisters and one older brother, and a younger brother. And although her parents were divorced, she was really close to both of them. Um, she lived primarily with her mom, but she was pretty close with her dad. Her dad traveled a lot for work, um, so it made sense that she didn't, you know, live with him. But they mm-hmm. they all were still fairly friendly. Like, they, they all were very much family. That's nice. Yeah. Um, she was really competitive and had been in multiple sports in high school, including track and cross country. Um, She won a lot of awards for that, so she was really good at running. Like she, like she did that competitively, consistently throughout her school career, Um, and so that's where she got. Like she did it for uh, the West Point for U.S. Military Academy too. So there's a couple pictures of her, uh, pretty close to the lead of these uh, runs in her uh, military like tracks, track outfit, track kit. I don't, nice. I don't do sports.
1: <laughs> Neither do I. I just run away from my problems.
0: Yeah. Ooh, yeah. According to her friends and family, she was bubbly, kind, a straight-A student, and pretty well-rounded, so they were kind of all surprised when things got a little weird. Um, in November of 2003, three months before her disappearance, Mara was caught using a stolen credit card to buy food from multiple restaurants, including one in a town nearby her university called Hadley. Um, The total amount of of these charges was $79.02. So not necessarily a huge amount of money, but Mm -hmm. enough to be like, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, what's up?
0: Yeah. The charges themselves of, like, stealing a credit card were continued, meaning that they were postponed until December, and the result of that was that they, these charges would be dismissed after three months of good behavior so basically she wasn't allowed to get in any more trouble with the law for another three months Mm-hmm.
1: there's n- clarification sorry. question yes based on her name and the fact that it's new hampshire i'm assuming she's a white lady
0: yes so she's from massachusetts she's from an irish catholic family she is very white <laughs> got she's it got you know lightish brown hair she's like white chubby cheeks like perfect dimples she's very pretty um, tall and lanky but she uh, one of, I think it was her brother that said she was at home in either her track kit or a prom dress like she was she was that kind of person who was quintessentially beautiful Um, But yes, the answer is yes, she is white. Gotcha. I was just asking because I feel like certain
1: demographics would not receive the same generosity from the police.
0: Well, maybe. Yeah. The police are a little interesting on this to begin with, so we'll go into that. Okay. So there's no real explanation for why she did this, why she stole these credit cards, but it seemed like a minor act of rebellion rather than a cry for help. More of just can I get away with this kind of thing? Because there was yeah. no real reason for her to do it.
1: Like, all through her K-12 education, she was, like, gifted, Yeah, put-together she really student. Well. Yeah. So maybe she got to co- college and was like, I'm
0: gonna be bad. Yeah. Um, maybe. We don't really know. Mm-hmm. On the evening of February 5th, 2004... Mara was at her campus security job when her older sister, Kathleen, called her. They spoke for a while, and around 10.30 p.m. after hanging up, Mara reportedly broke down in tears. When her supervisor arrived at her desk, Mara was apparently, quote, just completely zoned out, no reaction at all, she was unresponsive. So obviously this phone call, like, triggered something for her. We didn't know what the call was about until October 2017 when Kathleen herself said that the call was regarding her own struggles with alcoholism. Kathleen was in recovery in 2004 when she was released from a rehab facility that evening she spoke with her sister. On the way home, though, Kathleen's fiancé had them stop at a liquor store, which caused Kathleen to have an emotional breakdown, and she called Mara to tell her what happened. And to basically, during her breakdown, have someone talk her down. Because obviously her fiancé was not... Trash. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're married. I don't know how that turned out. Mm. But anyway. Mm-hmm. So the supervisor escorted Mara back to her dorm around 1.20 a.m., which is around the end of her shift. But when asked what, when he asked what was wrong, all she said was, quote, my sister. Mm-hmm. So obviously she's feeling a lot of feelings about what happened to her sister. Which makes me think she's a she's a good person. Like she's you know, worried about her family. Saturday, February seventh, Mara's father, Fred Murray, arrived in Amherst to help her find a car. Amherst is where the university is. Mm-hmm. Her own car was on its last legs. Like she could still drive it and all, but it was it was a little shaky. So she wanted a new car. Her dad, Fred, had four thousand dollars in cash with him For if they found a new car when they were going around. So, like, for a down payment. Mm -hmm. They went car shopping that afternoon, not finding one to buy just yet, but they kind of picked out the ones that they liked. Um, And then they both went to dinner with one of Mara's friends. They went to a brew pub in town. Fred and Mara went back to the motel Fred was staying at, and Mara went back to campus in Fred's Toyota Corolla to attend a party. She arrived at the party around 1030 P.M. according to her friends, Kate Markopoulos and Sarah Alfieri. Um, These friends were uh, interviewed by police later on to be like, you know, did you notice anything weird about her? Anything like that? And both of them were like, no, we were at a party. She was acting normal ish. Like she was, we were all drinking and having fun. Like this Mm -hmm. wasn't something of like, like sitting down and talking to her one-on-one around, 2.30 a.m., February 8th, Mara left the party from campus. And at around 3.30 a.m., a a full hour later, while on her way to her father's motel, Mara crashed his car into a guardrail near Hadley, which caused nearly $10,000 in damage. The officer who responded wrote up an accident report, but no sobriety tests were conducted according to his report which is a little unusual for something happening at 3.30 a.m., like a crash happening mm-hmm. at 3.30 a.m., but didn't happen. The officer took Mara to her father's motel where she spent the rest of the night. At 4.49 a.m., Mara made a call from her father's cell phone to her boyfriend, William Roush, whom she had met at the academy. There's no report as to what was said or even if he was the one who picked up, but they'd been dating for a while, um, and reportedly their relationship was pretty good. He was living in Texas at the time because he had finished at the academy and that's where his station was. Um, so they were in contact constantly. So that comes into play later. Later Saturday morning, Fred learned that his insurance would cover the damage so long as the report was correctly made. Fred dropped Mara off back at campus and then headed for Connecticut, which is where he was working as a nuclear med tech for a hospital. So not necessarily where he Lived like where his actual home was, but that's where his job was currently, so that's where he was staying. At 11.30 that night, Fred called Mara to remind her that she needed to get accident report forms from the Registry of Motor Vehicles, which is just the Department of Motor Vehicles in Massachusetts. (laughs) Not sure why it's different, but... They made a plan to talk the following night, Monday, to fill out the insurance claim and all the forms. It was after midnight on February 9th when Mara used MapQuest... Dude, do you wow. remember MapQuest? You
1: better take that exit, otherwise
0: you are confused. confused. <laughs> you
1: You've got no hope of getting to wherever you you're going. You better do
0: multiple U-turns to get back to where you were, because good luck. I remember, because Map- I was fairly young using MapQuest, because I wasn't even driving at this point when MapQuest was still a thing, but I remember printing it out for my mom Mm -hmm. in order to get to someone's slumber party or something. Um, I was was feeling all kinds of in charge of, like, I can do this. And so I'm trying to give directions to her from the MapQuest. I'm, like, just reading the little bullet points. (laughs) We got there eventually, but it was because my mom actually knew what she was doing. But I'm like, I don't know how to drive. Nope. I'm like maybe 12 it was it was a lot so yes she used MapQuest um, she got directions to the Berkshires up in uh, northern Massachusetts New Hampshire area and to Burlington Vermont which is opposite direction kind of okay so rather than cause there's Massachusetts rather than going up it was more of going further west towards mm-hmm. Burlington like middle of Vermont gotcha okay The first contact anyone had with Mara on this Monday was at 1 p.m. when her boyfriend received an email that read, quote, I love you more, stud. I got your messages, but honestly, I didn't feel like talking to much of anyone. I promised to call today, though. Love you, Mara. Which is interesting because, first of all, she didn't use her own phone to call him the night before, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm not sure what the reasoning is for that. She used her dad's phone. And then, obviously, her boyfriend had been calling her, trying to get her to answer him, and was leaving messages to, you know, ask, you okay? Like, what happened? I'm sure she told him about the crash that had happened, Mm -hmm. um, but sent him an email instead of calling him, knowing that he, you know, would probably pick up if she called him. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: She also made a call to a condo in Bartlett, New Hampshire, making an inquiry into renting a place. Her family had rented there before when she was a kid, but the owner didn't rent the condo to her.
1: Hmm.
0: At 1.13 p.m., Mara called a fellow nursing student, but we're not sure why. At 1.24 p.m., Mara emailed the supervisor of the nursing school faculty to say that she would be out of town for a week due to a death in the family, and she said she would contact them upon her return. There was no death in the family, so she just straight up lied. And she's Mm -hmm. expecting, now we know, she's expecting to be gone for a week. She's planning to leave.
1: I feel like, yeah, that's one of the few excuses where people will kind of take it at face value and leave you alone. Yeah, they
0: won't ask questions.
1: Right, versus if you say that you're ill, maybe you need a doctor's note or
0: something. Yeah, Or... Yeah. Yeah, it's like the one thing that no one's going to ask you any questions about. They're just going to be like, oh, okay, well, we're so sorry. Like, Let me know if you need anything. Yeah. Yeah. So at 2.05 p.m., Mara called a number that provides info about booking hotels in Stowe, Vermont. The call lasted five minutes, meaning she listened to the recording for that long. So it kind of sounds like she's looking for something, or at least, like, writing stuff down of, like, maybe this place, maybe this place, maybe this place. At 2.18, she called her boyfriend and left a message promising him they would talk later. At 3.30, Mara drove off campus in her black 1996 Saturn sedan, the car that she's trying to get replaced. Man, a Saturn. Yeah.
1: They don't make those anymore. Mm, do They don't? I don't think so. Oh, golly. Because I believe my cousin Dana had a Saturn, and
0: I think they... Maybe don't make them anymore. Oh goodness! Well, yeah, 1996 Saturn. That's an old car. Because mm-hmm. this is 2004. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's already an old car then, which is just crazy to think about. It's not all that long ago, but it, it's very much long ago. So a key point to know is that this is February, and classes on campus for this particular Monday had been canceled. Due to a snowstorm in the area. So she's driving this car that she's planning to replace in a snowstorm. A snowstorm that's
1: bad enough that Massachusetts said, nah, we're not
0: going to today. And she's driving further north. So things are happening and we don't know what they are. So at 340, Mara withdrew $280 from an ATM. This was most of her bank account at this point. Like she just... She just basically emptied her bank account. She went to a nearby liquor store where she bought about $40 worth of alcohol, including Baileys, Kahlua, vodka, and a box of Franzia red wine.
1: <laughs> oh.
0: Franzia. This, this is
1: sad, but this that order is it, the most college order. Yeah. Please, I guess we don't know what brand vodka, but please tell me it was... Like, brunettes or something, something just something terrible. Yeah. I mean, $40. $40. Do- yeah. The, $40 in
0: 2004, like... Yeah, I don't know what the... I don't know what the calculations are I don't know what now. the alcohol inflation is like. Nope. But, uh, okay. So, yeah. So, she's got this all in her car. Security footage shows that she was alone. At some point during this day, she also picked up the accident report forms from the Registry of Motor Vehicles. So, she had every intention of filling these out. Hmm. She left Amherst between 4 and 5, most likely via Interstate 91 North. She called to check her voicemail at 4.37, which is the last recorded time she ever used her cell phone. Mm-hmm. There is no information or indication that she had chosen a destination or that she had told anyone where she was intending to go. So scary. Yeah. You'd think, especially with a snowstorm, you have decided to Grab alcohol and drive to a different state. Yeah, and it's the it's a Monday, and you're expecting to be in school. You've already told people you expect to be gone for a week. Yeah, what's up? Don't know. So at seven twenty-seven p.m., a resident of Woodsville, New Hampshire, made a call to the Grafton County Sheriff's Department to report an accident outside her house, up against a snowbank along Route One Twelve. The road was called Wild Amanusic Road. Just all kinds of vowels in that. Amanusic Road. She had heard a loud thump and could see the car through her window. The car was pointing the wrong way on the road, like the wrong way on the wrong side, and it was a sharp turn Mm. that obviously hadn't been made well. Mm -hmm. Um, According to the 911 call, she claimed to see a man smoking a cigarette inside the car. But later, she said she had not seen anyone smoking. Rather, had seen what she thought was a red light glowing from inside the car. So, like, what she thought was, like, the, the end mm-hmm. of a cigarette. But it could have been a cell phone. It could have been anything that was creating a red light. So, that was just her initial guess when she, mm-hmm. when she said this. Another neighbor saw the car at the same time and reported seeing someone walking around the vehicle and the lights on. She also saw a third neighbor pull up alongside the vehicle. The neighbor who stopped, Butch Atwood, was a school bus driver returning home when he noticed a young woman, not bleeding or visibly injured, but cold, shivering, and obviously in shock. He offered to telephone for help, but she asked him not to call the police and told him she'd already called AAA, but there's no record of such a call being placed, mm-hmm. and we know that she, wasn't, she hadn't used her cell phone since 437 and never did again. Butch knew that there was no cell reception in the area, and after she turned down an offer of being driven to his home, which you could see from where the car was, Mm -hmm. um, to call for help, to get warm, to, like, sit down, he returned home and called the sheriff's department at 743. (laughs) Good job, Butch. Yeah, so three people now have called the police department (sighs) to report this happening. I've got to move
1: to New Hampshire. I know. People, nice people care about each other, but I hate the snow, so <laughs> never mind.
0: Um, he was unable to see her car from his from his home, from where he was calling, um, but he noticed several cars pass on the road before police arrived.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: obviously, other people have passed by. There was a report made by another local resident that she had pulled over at the scene around 737, which is about... 10 minutes before, or not 10 minutes, but like a few minutes before the call that uh, Atwood made. Um, Mm -hmm. Seeing a police SUV parked nose-to-nose with Maura's car. When she didn't see anyone in or outside of the car, she decided to continue home. But this is contradictory to the official police report, which has the police arriving nine minutes later. Mm so my guess is that maybe like her car clock was off or she just mm. guessed at the time um but in any case according to the report this can't be corroborated the haver hill police arrived at 7 46 pm and saw no one inside or around the car the car had obviously hit a tree on the driver's side front like light damaging the left headlight and pushing the radiator into the fan, making it inoperable.
1: Mm. So,
0: things are crunched. The windshield was cracked on the driver's side, and both airbags had deployed. The car itself was locked on arrival. Which is weird. hmm Now, I was also a little weirded out by both airbags having been deployed, but from what I could gather, both of your airbags deploy regardless of whether or not they right. can tell that someone is it can tell that someone is in the passenger yeah. seat um, especially now like for a 1996 Saturn I have no clue mm-hmm. I tried my best to find any kind of information but it really it only led me to the wikipedia article about what an airbag is so <laughs> Uh, But that makes sense to me, though, that if the car
1: detects enough damage to the front portion of the vehicle, that it would deploy both, even
0: if... Exactly. It's not like it's a weighted sensor. Exactly. Um, It is also interesting to note that Mara was not visibly injured. Airbags, when they deploy are extremely powerful. Yeah, they mess you up. Yeah, and if she hit a tree hard enough to get her fan to hit her radiator and crack her windshield, I don't know how she wasn't
1: bleeding. Uh, how? Okay. I have questions, but I'm sure we're going to get there, so I'm just going to wait. Okay, hold on to them, though, because
0: I might not answer them.
1: They're not specific questions. It's just general Okay.
0: confusion. How, why, how... Okay. So there were red stains inside and outside the car, but they looked to be red wine. And they were uh, there was a busted box of Franzia on the back seat. Okay. And red stains all over on the ceiling, on the floor. So obviously when she hit this tree, this box of Franzia just busted open. So that that's the explanation for the red stains. I don't know if they tested that, but that's the okay, explanation but- for the red stains.
1: <laughs> Yeah, that just makes it more confusing. If we were violent enough to, like, fling the box of wine so that it rips the plastic bag inside, but she's fine. Or maybe it was already open. Yeah, maybe she was getting a little sip-sip on the road. Maybe. Maybe that's why. Mm,
0: Okay. Yeah. So there was also, in the car, an empty beer bottle. Oh. But she didn't buy beer. Right. At the liquor store. So, I don't actually know if you can buy beer at liquor stores. Anyway, there was some, in some case, she had beer. Whether or not she drank it that night is another question. Mm-hmm. A triple A card issued to Mara, blank accident report forms, gloves that were brand new, CDs, makeup, jewelry, driving directions to Burlington, Vermont, Mara's favorite stuffed animal. And a book called not without peril which is about mountain climbing in the white mountains of new hampshire which are nowhere close to burlington so odd Mm -hmm. she also had packed herself a bag with clothing toiletries college textbooks and birth control so she had all of her stuff not found on the scene were her debit card her credit cards her cell phone and some bottles of liquor she had purchased that afternoon I have heard no mention of whether or not the keys were there. Mm. My guess is that she had her keys because the car was locked. Right. But I couldn't find anywhere where the keys were. Right. Um, they also couldn't find a black backpack that they assumed that she had with her because she used it as her purse. mm mm-hmm. um, And it wasn't in her dorm room. It wasn't with anything in the stuff in the car. Um, so their assumption is that she had it with her and that's where her debit card her all of her stuff there was also a rag stuffed into the muffler pipe of the car which Fred says was something he had advised Mara to do so she wouldn't get pulled over for excessive emissions which was a main reason that they were getting rid of the car. I have had a car that needed to have its whole emissions stuff replaced underneath all the guts underneath replaced because my emissions were too high I feel like stuffing a rag in your muffler pipe isn't gonna help that it's actually gonna make things maybe worse i'm not sure i don't know how cars work in that capacity but for some reason this tidbit of information gives me the heebie jeebies mm. so much so that it's only one heebie and i would prefer to call it a heebus sorry it is it is so distinctly like it's so odd yeah it's so distinctly weird to me and i don't know why it freaks me out but it does yeah it's also weird that your dad would tell you hey just go ahead and stuff something in your muffler that might make your car that already kind of doesn't work that we're getting rid of I don't. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. I
1: too have very little familiarity with the mechanics of motor vehicles, but <laughs> I feel like I it stresses me out because, like, when people are trying to commit suicide, they run their car in a garage and
0: close the door do, stuff the muffler and put you know, in like the, carbon monoxide yeah.
1: poisoning. So then, I have no idea if that's directly, you know, I don't know, but. That's just what it reminds me of. Like, yeah. are you driving emissions into your passenger? Like, you're yeah. into the vehicle. Is that affecting? Especially if you're driving every day, you know, is it affecting you over
0: time? Yeah, like, or something. I don't know, but it does. Mm. It gives me the Hebes. He a singular Hebeshebes. Singular, singular hebis It just shiver up the spine. Is that the title of this episode? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so the responding officer and Butch Atwood, so the guy that stopped, Butch. Dro- yeah, he's a he's a really good guy. He really this haunted him for a very long time, which Aww. I'm sure because he was the last person to ever see her alive. Oh, that's true. Or at least confirmed to ever see her alive. Wow. So I'm sure it really nags at him.
1: Yeah.
0: So the responding officer and Butch Atwood drove around the area searching for Mara just before 8 a fire truck and EMS came to clear the scene so sort to of like say nothing else to do here mhm um, and by 850 the car had been towed to a local shop around 930 the responding officer left without having found anything else so there are no footsteps like foot footprints this is it, this is fresh snow too like there was just a snowstorm the car itself had like skidded into a snowbank after it hit the tree
1: mm-hmm. so
0: snow is everywhere there should be at least some evidence of footprints going in some direction but they couldn't find anything in particular that led them anywhere mm. which is just disappointing and very annoying i'm sure between 8 to eight thirty, a contractor reported that on his way home he had seen a young person moving quickly eastbound on 112 around four to five miles east from where mara's car was found He said that they were wearing jeans, a dark coat with a light-colored hood. He didn't realize that the sighting was the same night as Mara's disappearance until three months later when he was reviewing his work records. Which, I mean, I guess if you're doing this all the time, like if you're driving all the time, you don't really think about when something happens. You just write it down and, you know, you'll look at it later, but... It's an odd thing to see on the side of a road during after a snowstorm in February of somebody walking along the side of the road, Especially right?
1: Especially in jeans. You know, if it were a local yeah. person, I feel like maybe they would be better equipped for snow. Yeah. If they're just out for a little hike. I don't know. Or whatever. Yeah.
0: Don't know. But according to reports, when her dorm room was searched, there were packed boxes everywhere art taken off the walls. Uh-oh. Some say that this is an indication she had intended to leave completely. Fred, her father, and others say that over the Christmas holiday, the school was washing the carpets in the dorms and asked students to box things up, which would explain why she still had items in boxes. But mm-hmm. it was February and she hadn't needed to take her art down. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it was like If she did have to take her art, or if she did have to pack up her boxes, maybe she was like, Well, maybe I'll redecorate and like took everything down Mm -hmm. so that she could like pack everything away and start new, like start fresh. Um, And I don't wanna say, Well, it was February, she should have unpacked things by now, because you know, maybe you are too busy with college that you're like, I have a bed to sleep in, I have forks out so I can eat my food, and that's all I need. So, it's it's a very weird tidbit of information to be like her, ba- her boxes were packed um, and the potential for her like leaving school was there, but mm-hmm. there's also a potential explanation to that. Did she have a roommate? Do we know? If she did, I couldn't find who it was or if they had any information. Gotcha. A bolo was issued after this uh, was labeled a missing case, so it be on the lookout. Um, with a description of her, some pictures, and uh, what she was wearing that night, which was jeans Mm -hmm. um, and a black coat and uh, the black backpack that she used as her purse. The police left a message on Fred Murray's home answering machine at 3.20 because he was listed on the car as well, because she's only 21, remember, Mm -hmm. to say that the car had been found abandoned. But he was not home at the time because of his current job in Connecticut. So he didn't receive this message. At five o'clock, Mara's older sister called her dad with the news. And Fred then called the Haverhill police and was told that if Mara was not reported safe by the following morning, February 11th, they would start a search. Which, as a parent, I would be like, no, no, you start a search now.
1: Yeah. Start a search
0: now. What it, like, I can understand maybe the light would be detrimental, but like, you can at least call into the woods to be like is anybody here
1: well especially if they i mean i guess the local police wouldn't have known that she went to the liquor store and that she had liquor potentially with her it's gone from the car but even alcohol aside if you have somebody who someone who's in shock from a motor vehicle accident who walks away and it's been a you have had a snowstorm yeah. And they get disoriented and trip and fall and Yeah, roll down a embankment and You know, sorry, two days is not gonna Yeah. It's not good news. Yeah. But I presume that's not what happened because I feel like this wouldn't be unsolved. So I'm gonna be quiet and let you tell
0: me. <laughs> it's okay. I don't mind the the interruptions. Okay.
1: Interjections <laughs> Show excitement or An emotion. emotion. Mostly
0: emotion on this podcast, not as much excitement. Also, that's a musical, so you can knock that off of your bingo list. Boom, boom, boom. You're welcome. Fred arrived before dawn on February 11th in Haverhill, so he drove all the way up there from Connecticut to be He's like, like it's the morning of the 11th, let's go. And yeah. <laughs> and at 8 a.m., New Hampshire Fish and Game, which were conducting the search, um, so they... They're, like, the uh, National Park Service kind of ranger Mm -hmm. people who, like, know the land. Um, So this group, the Murrays, and others, including locals, began the search for Mara. A police dog tracked the scent picked up from Mara's new pair of gloves a hundred yards east from where the vehicle had been abandoned, but lost the scent. The police assumed that this meant that she had left in another car. So maybe one of the cars that drove by Mm -hmm. that uh, would have seen. Fred is angry about this and has expressed his anger about this because he claims they chose a new pair of gloves for the scent and not her running shoes, which were in her bag. Oh, yeah. Or anything that had her scent heavy on them. Like, you could have used anything in her, in the bag that she had packed for herself. Yeah. Um, and they decided on the new pair of gloves that was in the car at the time. Odd. Don't really know the reasoning for that. hmm At 5 p.m., Mara's boyfriend, William, and his parents arrived in Haverhill. He was interrogated in private and then joined by his parents for questioning. He and his parents are very close to Mara and her family. Like, they loved Mara. And they'd been dating, Mara and William had been dating for a while. So this was just completely devastating to both families in a sense that they felt, both felt like they had lost a daughter. So he, William, had turned his cell phone off during his flight from Texas to Haverhill. At some point during the flight, he received a voicemail that he believed was the sound of Mara sobbing. They traced the call to a calling card issued by the Red Cross. Mara had received similar calling cards as a gift from Sharon, Billy's mother, around Thanksgiving. So these are like prepaid Mm -hmm. phone cards, if anyone remembers those. I remember them. Yep. <laughs> remember getting them for Christmas a couple... I think it must have been in high school or something. Like, it, not all that long ago. Mm-hmm. At 7 p.m. that day, the police said that they believed Mara to either have come to the area to run away or commit suicide. But her family didn't believe either of these to be likely. hmm First of all, if you're going to run away, why not take the bag you packed with you? Right. And maybe, you know, your jewelry, your CDs, like, what are you doing leaving your car? Right. Like, maybe wait until the people you, the person at least, because she knew at least one person was going to call police, like, going to call at some point, although she didn't want to, I I could assume that she wanted somebody to at least try and get help for her. I don't know. Wasn't in her state of mind. A press conference was held on February 12th by Fred and William in Bethlehem, New Hampshire, and the following day the first press coverage was published. And this has been called the first crime mystery of the social media age because it occurred days after the launch of Facebook.
1: Mm, so this which was, was also in Massachusetts.
0: Yes. So it's just like this case became so widespread and was kind of the dawning of the internet sleuths mm-hmm. that we know today of like Gathering information from all corners of the internet Mara's family expanded the search to Vermont and were annoyed when they learned that the police there had not been informed of her disappearance now Haverhill is very close to the border of New of uh, New Hampshire and Vermont like very close so it is very weird that they didn't inform Anyone over the border. Hey, we're looking for this person But this
1: is very standard for the time, right? Like, nobody wants to cooperate, no one wants to play
0: nice, no one wants to share information. I'm not sure what their thought process was, though, because aren't you hoping that maybe someone sees her somewhere else? Like, if you're going to conduct your investigation well, but I I mean, If you look
1: at the Golden State Killer, all of his crimes took a really long time to be connected to a single perpetrator because, you know... The Visalia Ransacker and the
0: somebody over, you know, they didn't, yeah. the departments didn't talk to each other. But my hope is that, like, between the 70s and 80s to now, I mean, now being the early 2000s, I would have hoped that somebody would have changed something oh, about dang, that, but... that's true. My brain keeps thinking we're in the 90s because of her car. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Sorry. <it's 2004. laughs> yes, it is 2004. Right. So disregard that No, I mean, I, I wouldn't disregard it at all, actually, because I don't know... What the procedures are for these police departments because these are all also police departments of like local spaces.
1: Yeah, so, little towns. I
0: don't know if they're thinking that far of like put the put the word out so that everyone within like a three state radius knows. Maybe they're just trying to figure well, out where she is. Like, they have no footsteps. They have no car trace. Like, they've also decided the, the narrative that they've
1: landed upon though. Is kind of a victim blamey sort of mindset that she was trying to run away and not be found or to kill herself and not be discovered.
0: And I'm sure the fact that she's 21 has something to do with that too because sure she
1: colors their yeah,
0: interpretation of things. She's not a kid. They can't go and like do this whole big search and grab them and bring them back. Like, you're going to be safe, we promise. Yeah. Because that that little kid running away mentality they're still they still have guardians that are in charge of them once you hit 18 you are the guardian of yourself and if you choose to run away and this is in a couple missing persons cases that the assumption is that maybe they have been found but police are not obligated to tell the families because the right. person themselves might have told the police don't tell them where i am or even younger children I mean, hopefully this happens less
1: nowadays than it did back in the 70s, 80s. But, you know, if a 15-year-old is missing, they make the families wait a certain amount of time because, oh, they might just be a teenage runaway. It's like,
0: um, okay, that's not an excuse. No, it's not. It really isn't. Oh, they're just a runaway, they'll come back is not an excuse because in the midst of running away, what if they broke their leg? Jumping down from something because they're reckless and like get stuck somewhere and can't come back like there's just There's a lot of that that makes me nervous about having children in the future of like I can't keep tabs on them all the time because I don't want to because they're people But I also want to to make sure that they don't die like there's just so much But I luckily don't have to worry about that for a very long time back to the story Although most missing person cases are normally handled by local and state police, the FBI arrived on the investigation ten days after she vanished. At the same time, the New Hampshire Fish and Game conducted a second search using a helicopter, thermal imaging camera, tracking dogs, and cadaver dogs. Mm -hmm. So they're, like, pulling in all all the guns. The big guns, the small guns, all the guns are out. Yeah. So the fact that the fbi after 10 days is involved is interesting but then i thought about it a little bit more of like well if she went over the border mm-hmm. then that it, it has to be fbi jurisdiction right so or if someone
1: across the border abducted her took her yeah. then it crosses state lines exactly
0: so by march 2nd the family checked out of their motel Fred Murray returned almost every weekend to keep searching. Oh, I know. It's so sad to think about. It. And he was driving up from Massachusetts or Connecticut or wherever his jobs were at the time. More searches were conducted later in the year with no snow on the ground, mm. but revealed nothing conclusive. So, even though, like, the snow might be obstructing something, we'll wait until it goes away. Didn't necessarily help. Yeah. The police have said that there is no evidence of a crime being committed, though up until today it remains an open case, and in 2009, lead prosecutor in the investigation, Jeffrey Strelzen, said that, quote, it may be a missing person's case, but it's being handled as a criminal investigation, end quote. Which I feel like is the most appropriate response when you don't have a body. Yeah. When you don't know what happened to a, in a missing person's case. Yeah. Um, or at least there's no clear indication, because this is just all kinds of, like, crazy potentials. Mara has been missing now for 16 years with no real movement made in the case. hmm So, just sad. Some follow-up weirdness. That's my <laughs> title for this next section. All right. In late 2004, the same year that she disappeared... A weird man, which I couldn't find his name, (laughs) so I've labeled him Weird Man. Shout out to you, Weird Man. Gave Fred a rusty, stained knife that he said belonged to his brother. This man's brother had a criminal past and lived less than a mile from where the car was abandoned. The brother and his girlfriend were allegedly acting strange in the days after Mara went missing, and the weird man claimed that he believed the knife to have been used to kill Mara.
1: But
0: but, but uh, yeah. So you give it to the the
1: dad and not the police. supposedly
0: murdered girl. Okay, you're mentally stable, mm. days, weird man. Yeah, days after the knife was given to Fred, who promptly gave it to the police. Okay, good job, Fred. <laughs> the I well, who would want to keep a bloody, rusty know, knife that could have potentially know, killed no. my kid? Like, Wait,
1: is it bloody and rusty or yes, just rusty? No, it's both.
0: Oh, great. Okay, so. Just a disgusting knife. Well, it's stained. It's not bloody. It's stained. But, like, still. Okay. Days after the knife was given to Fred, the brother apparently scrapped his car, but other family members of the weird guy claimed he made the story up in order to get reward money in the investigation and that he had a history of drug use and drug abuse. So, Mm. the potential is that the reason he gave it to Fred was so that Fred would give him the money. Hmm. So. But it's just that's
1: mm. just sad. Yeah, don't prey upon sad
0: people. Yeah, there was a black backpack found behind the bathroom facilities at the Pemigewasset Overlook, which was thirty miles away from where Mara was last seen. A year after she disappeared, the backpack was still there in late two thousand five when a Discovery Thread user, so like the um. The investigation threads that popped up after her disappearance of like here are the possible clues in order to find her um, went to go see if he could spot it and reported that he could that he found it and it was empty and got in contact with the police telling them where to find it so like he didn't have a camera with him and so he couldn't take pictures he did open it up to see if there was anything inside and there was nothing in it it was frozen solid apparently because it was cold it was late mm-hmm. two thousand five um, the police said later that they were aware of the backpack, but nothing was disclosed on whether they did any testing or did anything with it at all. Okay. So, just a, another weird little piece follow-up weirdness. This is why this is labeled this way. In October of 20, 2006, another search was conducted within a couple miles of the crash site over the course of 2 days. In a closet of a home, approximately 1 mile from where the car was left, Cadaver dogs allegedly went, quote, bonkers, which meant they picked up a scent of human decay. The house previously belonged to the man initially implicated by his brother, who had given the knife to Fred. Oh, okay. A carpet sample was taken from the closet, but the results were never released, and nothing conclusive was ever found from this search. Hmm. Yeah. In February of 2019, so fairly fairly recently... okay which was 15 years after Mara's been gone, Fred said that he believed his daughter was dead and that the cadaver dogs picked up the scent of her body back in 2006. The house was sold to a new, more cooperative owner. So the owners previous to this, but after the initial search of the house, Mm -hmm. um, weren't very cooperative, didn't want the police... In the in the okay, home. Okay, so
1: the house belonged to the knife guy's
0: brother, and then was sold to somebody else who cooperated who with did, the police, and they took the carpet sample, and then uncooperative was sold to, people, yeah. new people. And Got so, it. in early April of 2019, these new owners allowed the investigation to proceed on the property, and an excavation was conducted of the basement, but they found absolutely nothing except for quote a piece of pottery or old piping. Hmm. So there's no. Evidence of a body being there. Hmm. Which doesn't necessarily indicate to me that she wasn't potentially killed there if she was killed or abducted by this man. Mm-hmm. Maybe she just wasn't buried there. They didn't
1: search the property. They only looked in the basement.
0: So far as I could tell, they conducted a search of just the house. I well, think I
1: guess the dogs would have given alerted off. something yeah.
0: in the initial search if it were outdoors. That's my sense, but... I don't know. Alright, so here are our theories. Okay. One, she was suicidal. But everyone in her family and all of her friends say that this is both an odd way to try to kill yourself and that it is so unlike Mara. Fred, his ex-wife and Mara's mother, Lori, and William's mother, Sharon, are all very vocally critical of the official investigation as using this as a point of this is what happened. They say she was not suicidal. It makes no sense at all Mm -hmm. to assume that she was based on the evidence. Fred and Sharon remain so. They remain critical. Though sadly, Lori, her mom, passed away from cancer in 2009. So she won't... Or maybe she does know the answer. She might know the answer now and be at peace knowing the answer. Mm Because I feel like the main takeaway from this for me is... The fact of not knowing as a parent or, so, like, a pseudo-parent, someone who is, you know. Yeah. Like,
1: I ugh. I don't believe in closure. I don't think it exists. Um, whether it's, like, a romantic relationship, a terrible event that happens. I don't think it really exists. But at least, you know, if the snow had melted and they had found a body... It would be terrible, but at least, yeah, you would know. You know. Because when you don't know, even if all the evidence is pointing towards, yeah, she's probably no longer living, the irrational part of your brain is still clinging to that tiny bit of hope of, yeah, absolutely. well, we don't know. Exactly. So, and then you just go through that
0: your yeah. whole life. I can't imagine that being hard. It also doesn't make sense that she was suicidal if she packed a bag. And her birth control, and though the alcohol may be an indicator of a possible issue, it doesn't explain a suicidal tendency specifically for this period of time. Mm -hmm. So she's looking up all these different places to potentially go and travel. She's trying to find somewhere to stay. She's trying to, like, pack for a week with her college textbooks fully intending to do her homework. Yeah. So, like, I, it's, it's odd. Another theory is that she was in shock after the accident and died in the woods beyond the road, though no footprints were found from the elements. Shock makes sense. Death from the elements doesn't necessarily make sense because her body was never found and neither were any of her things, though the, search, the searches that they conducted often didn't extend too far beyond a few miles radius and they didn't go too far deep into the woods. Mm. So that, to me, is like you didn't do your job well enough. Yeah. So, I don't know. Number three, she was running away. Which is the one that most people cling to because it means that she's still alive and well. Most everyone close to her says that it doesn't make sense for her to run away. But the signs of her packing, not telling anyone where she was going, and the like, like packing up her dorm room as well, make this a possibility. But then where would she go? She had... uh a map to Burlington in her car, but she had a book about the White Mountains. She had researched all of these different places places in Stowe, Vermont. Like, there's too many different potential destinations. I'm not quite sure where her brain was in terms of where she's going to go. The part of me
1: that wants to believe in, like, positive outcomes is... We're just, uh, here's my theory. She was like Carmen San Diego. She <laughs> was a spy and she was leaving misleading clues so that nobody would know how to find her and be purposely confusing. Confusing? Confusing. To purposely confuse everyone. And she's off on a beach somewhere right now, uh, having retired from her... Career as her a spy. Days. I don't know, but she can't contact her family because then that'll put them at risk. I
0: would. I would like to assume that that is the case. That'd be her and Tupac are sitting on a yes. beach in Cuba. Throwback. He's he's making sounds for SoundCloud and yes. she's just enjoying a mojito. Yeah, I'm into that.
1: Yes, please.
0: So, she had gotten into trouble with the credit card stuff. She had crashed her dad's car, and February was still within the time frame of her needing to stay out of trouble, unless she wanted to be charged with the crime and go to jail. Mm -hmm. So maybe the party and her recent crash made her worry that if the police were called, she would have Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. serve time. Well, and if she was drinking the boxed
1: wine in the car. Yeah. Or even had it open. There was that.
0: Others have suggested that she may have been leaving to meet someone or to run away to have a baby. There was a big thing about her being pregnant and worried about having a baby while in college and so running away to, like, have the baby. Oh, oh. Yeah. Pregnant people don't need birth control. But neither of these seem to make any sense as no one has come forward and she brought her birth control with her. If you are pregnant, or if you assume that you are pregnant and you know you're going to keep the baby enough to run away somewhere like why would you bring your birth control with you why wouldn't you just leave that where it was yeah so she also turned in all of her homework for that week before leaving and told her supervisors that she would be coming back by the end of the week right so that doesn't make sense some believe that her father knows a lot more than he is letting on since he has been angry throughout this whole investigation which i think Rightly, because the police haven't really helped anything mm-hmm. too much, it seems. And he dislikes anyone trying to ask him questions for publications about his daughter's days leading up to the disappearance, because he's questioned constantly about this. And he's he said, "I have put out all the information I know, all of the things I believe. You know all of the information. You don't need anything else from me. Please stop bothering me about this. I am looking for her constantly." Mm-hmm. Um, he however says that he believes that she was taken and killed um and is now gone mm-hmm. she would have had no reason to want to run away he's he he knows that he's like there's absolutely no reason i can think of that she would run away but most people think he knows more than he's saying because he had four thousand dollars in his pocket and he like you know let her drive his car like all this kind of stuff i'm like it's a dad he's trying to help his daughter find another car, knows that a cash-down payment, especially in uh, 2004, like, is helpful. Like, come on. And there have been multiple but unsubstantiated sightings in Vermont and Canada of Mara, um, but very much unsubstantiated. Mm -hmm. So the last theory is the saddest one, Mm. and that it is that she was picked up and killed. And it's not necessarily a specific serial killer that did this, but rather just an opportunity one who saw a A girl, all alone, in the middle of nowhere, it seems, but this doesn't necessarily make too much sense to me because the people who lived across the street from this crash were Probably looking out their window trying to make sure that this person that they could see was okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure how long they looked out the window or, like, anything like that. But, I mean, if it were in front of my house, I'd be sitting there until the police came. Mm -hmm. At least to be like, what happened? (laughs) Like, I'm a... I'm nosy. I'm nosy. So I want to make sure that, you know, what's happening, I can, like, ascertain what's happening. But no one else. Since there's no trace of her, there can be no reason to assume this, but it may be the reasoning why the house nearby flagged for human decomp.
1: That, you know what makes that so extra sad to me? Hmm. Is that our buddy Butch, the school bus driver, like, offered to take her back to his house to be warm, and as a young woman alone, she probably was like, stranger danger Uh uh-uh you're not taking me to a second location which i'm sure is what both of us would do if we were in some sort of situation i don't falter for that you know but if she was taken and murdered like you know she was trying to avoid something like that maybe by not going with him and then yeah who knows what happened to her and
0: the the span of time it was seven minutes butch saw her asked Mm -hmm. if she was okay asked if she wanted to come back so she could be warm and call for help even if it wasn't the police i'm sure if i'm sure if she had taken him up on his offer regar- i'm not faulting her for not because right. truly i probably would do the same thing of like nah man i'm good but if she had gone with him she could have like called her dad or one of her sisters or even her like mom or grandparents and been like hey this happened can you get someone to come and pick me up Rather than having to actually call the police or AAA or just, right. like, you know, you call a tow truck, you, like, all yeah. that. Um, but I can completely understand not going to a second location with someone you don't know in the middle of the right. night. Right. Because she that yeah, middle of the not, night, it's like 7, but, like... But still, it's winter, basically, yeah.
1: still. And she's not from the area. It would be one thing, you know, if it's yeah. your hometown and... You know the your, bus driver. Yeah, and... Not saying that is makes better. that person totally safe 100% of the time, but at least you have a degree of familiarity.
0: Yeah. And the the just the amount of time between Butch leaving her and the police arriving, seven minutes. It took her seven minutes to disappear. Mm-hmm. might have taken her like three seconds to disappear, but it's like there's a span of time that we can calculate. Mm-hmm. And it's just so sad that seven minutes completely makes her vanish. So this is my theory. Okay. You've expressed your theory. I think. I (laughs) I mean. Maybe. I
1: mean, because they didn't do a super extensive search of the woods, my mind thinks that that's the most likely one.
0: Yeah. That's fair.
1: It's sad and unfortunate if people didn't. I just feel like you you read sad and unfortunate articles about Midwestern teenagers or college kids who, like, go to a party and they drink and they try to walk home and they trip into a snowbank and freeze to death.
0: Yeah. Or, like, get up, get disoriented because everything's white. Yeah. they've just hit their head and then just... Yeah. Disappear into the snow and die. <laughs> yeah. So, my theory is that I believe... That her sister Kathleen knows more than she's letting on or was the intended person to stay with Mara at any of these locations. The reason I think this is that I think Mara may have been arranging a space for her sister to have another rehab because of her fiance being a total jerk and bringing her to a liquor store and making her go into a huge emotional breakdown, potentially going into a relapse, like all of that. And I think Mara may have been trying to establish somewhere that at least for a week she could stay with her sister and help her get back to where she was in rehabilitation and know that she's going to be okay. This is somewhere like Bartlett, the condo place, was somewhere that her and her family had visited before. Mm -hmm. So that was a familiar place to her. Like if she could find a place for her and her sister to stay For a little while, she brought alcohol maybe to be like, you can't have this. Like, this is, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure why, maybe. That's a little weird to me. Yeah. Maybe for herself to be like, I gotta get through this. I don't know. But I think when she crashed, she was completely scared by it of... If the police are called, they're going to see the empty beer bottle. They're going to see the alcohol in my back seat, regardless of whether or not she actually drank from any of it Mm -hmm. that night. And they're going to assume that I am driving drunk and that's why I crashed. I am going to grab my bag with my credit card and my ID, and I'm going to lock my car so that if anyone does call the police, which is possible because I just met this guy who said he'd call the police for me and I told him no, I'm going to grab my bag and go into the woods and wait until the police are gone and the car is, like, towed or something. And then I'll come out and go knock on that guy's door and call someone to come and pick me up. That's what I think her brain, where her brain was. But I think I agree with you that the potential for her just becoming too exposed to the elements, especially in a space she doesn't know, if she goes into the woods deep enough and knowing that someone is looking for her when that police officer comes and when uh, mm-hmm. or Atkinson comes back to, like, know that they're searching for her so she goes deeper and deeper into the woods. Nope! And then gets exposed to the elements and can't find her way back because she's disoriented in a, in a woods she doesn't know. And passes away that's what i think the potential is Hmm. which is so sad what i really wish happened was that she got picked up by some nice trucker who was like where can i take you and she went all the way up to canada the land of the beautiful and met a mountie and is like sorry william i loved you but found a new (laughs) steve I'm starting a life with a Mountie with oh the gigantic leg things and a huge hat. like. <laughs> and she's living happily ever after in, like, Newfoundland. I would really love that.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's what we're going to do every episode. We're
0: like, let's imagine
1: the Hallmark movie ending to seriously, this, But also the Investigation Discovery
0: ending. <laughs> seriously. So if you want to learn more about this, and I'm, I'm not one to usually quote my sources because I put them in the show notes anyway. Um, but I think that the sources for this are fairly interesting as well as important. So there is still a site for Mara run by her family. It's called the Mara Missing Site. Um, Mara Murray Missing Site. Um, and it's still active. You can go to maramurraymissing.org. Um, and there's places on there where you can see pictures, her beautiful little face, um, pictures of her and her family, Um, the press releases that they've had about this case, any information you might have you can give to them, um, as well as go through the Haverhill Police Department to, you know, if you do have info and you've been holding it back all this time, moving on. Of course, our mother site, Wikipedia, was my starting point for this, but it led me to a Billy Jensen article from 2014 about internet sleuthing in this case, which is, uh, if you haven't listened to The Murder Squad um, with Billy Jensen and Paul Holes, it is brilliant. They do mostly cold cases um, in, in, in an effort to get people to participate in internet sleuthing in a good way. Um, but also to try and figure out, you know, what are the best ways that we can help the police departments who are trying to investigate and, and figure out these cases.
1: They're also legitimate investigators. Oh yeah. No, they do
0: their research wholeheartedly and very well. And it's all very good. And Paul Holes, of course, is a, uh, retired police officer, police detective. Um, and Billy Jensen is a true crime reporter. Like they know their stuff. But reading I haven't ever read anything by Billy Jensen mm-hmm. And so reading this article was it was beautifully crafted. He's a wonderful writer. Um, and it's obvious that he feels very strongly about this kind of stuff. and even then it was 2014, so it was 10 years after Mara went missing mm-hmm. um, and he was talking about internet sleuthing and how it all started. So like that's what he, that's what he does. that is his thing. So it was very interesting to read that. Um, There's also a book called True Crime Addict um, on Google Books that I read the first 26 pages of because it's oddly expensive. Hmm. Um, But this is also the book that uh, Fred Murray, he and the author got into a huge fight about this because Fred was so upset with the way that this man was investigating this case um and truly just wanted to be left alone from this guy and he was relentless the f- The first 26 pages i will say the writing is a little interesting um it seems very elaborate uh since i have not read the whole thing i cannot give a full review but it was it had enough information in it for me to include it in this because it did reveal at least when it came to like the boyfriend of like This is when he came. This is, you know, this is where they met. This is all that. I didn't get a lot of that from other sources. So that was helpful. And if you want to listen to another podcast about this particular uh, case, there is a podcast called True Crime Garage. They are awesome. They are also very good at their research and they did a two parter on this. Um, All of their library is on Stitcher. So the the last thirty weeks, the last thirty episodes or something, are on Apple Podcasts. But this is from about a year ago. Um, so you'll find them on Stitcher. It's all free. All their all their library on Stitcher is free. Um, so you'll be able to find it there. But they're also just very good researchers. They do their job really well. And they're the reason why the the rag and the tailpipe gives me the singular Hebus jeebus, because. I, w- I was listening to it with Theo one night. We were doing a puzzle, because mm-hmm. that's the kind of old people we are. Um, <laughs> and we were listening to this podcast, and I had to stop with the puzzle and just sit there and listen, because there were just shivers going up and down my spine of them telling this story. Um, I'm not quite sure why this gives me so many heebie-jeebies, and even that one singular heebus I'm just going to keep saying it, because I'm... I'm I'm serious when I say it, though, yeah. that it truly does. Um, but, yeah, so those are my sources. Feel free to go and check them out. They will be linked in the show notes. Um, I have a couple pictures here that will be up on Instagram of Sweet Mara. Aww. Um, there is also a picture of where the car was found and the car itself and its damage. Not on the site because, obviously, the, the you'll see the picture. There's no snow. Um But it's uh, to where it was towed, um, Mm -hmm. and they took some pictures of it then. But, yeah, so this is a sad case, and it's still unsolved, and she's currently gone to the wind. You okay? (laughs) Shannon's very sad. (laughs) I
1: just... I feel like I talked about this on an earlier episode, but I'm someone who likes answers in a definitive sense, which means I've really just set myself up for disappointment by doing this podcast. Seriously, uh, But yeah, no, um, shout out to Mara. Say hi to Tupac for us. Seriously. Hi you're your Mojito. Yeah. Or like, if
0: you're up in Canada with your Mountie husband, <laughs> like, hope you're yes, doing well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing those sources with us.
0: You're welcome. I would say you are also well-researched. Oh, so thank you. I appreciate that. There, don't I'm, undersell yourself. Thank you. I think there's so much to this case. It is just dense with information and like timeline and all of that that I think it's easy to get lost in it. And I, I felt that when I was researching this, is just getting lost in the tiny little tangents. But there's a lot of meat to it. There's a lot to it. So I'm happy I did it. It's one of the cases that drew me to all of this. So yeah, everybody call
1: your mom seriously, or your dad or tell your friends when you're
0: going on a road trip, please yes, be safe. I've got to go on a road trip this weekend to get my tooth taken out by the bone shaman. <laughs> the bone shaman. My own father, the bone shaman. He's licensed and certified, and he's not <laughs> just in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Step onto the deck. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, he's good at his job well enough that I, you know, I fully trust him. He's my father, but I don't like surgery, so it'll be an interesting weekend. But the hubby is coming with. He'll have to do his data processing there, which will be interesting.
1: But... Well, that's the thing about data. It travels. Easily. Yeah,
0: it's easily accessible. I mean, yeah. Um, before we go, I didn't ask you. Last night was Halloween, y'all. Oh, how was your Halloween? Um, it was fine. I was at work
1: at the bookstore. Woot woot! I gave out candy to like three small children. Aw. Just because there weren't that many, but that was fun. It was a full moon. Looked very spooky. <laughs> At least this year and last year Halloween has not been that significant as its own individual holiday cuz we don't really get trick or treaters on our on our street. Yeah. Um, we don't have a street light and there aren't that many houses. Uh, so it's it's not so much oh happy Halloween. It's more oh God, it's Nano Eve. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: <laughs> like but night doing before. Aren't you doing it too? National Novel Writing Month. I am going to do portions of just the... say yes. Yes, you're doing it. Yeah, you got it on tape. You okay, <laughs> that was By a bad the... trick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> By the time you all hear this, we'll be like halfway through, more yeah. than halfway through.
0: Yeah. I will cuz I started it last year and I didn't yeah and I really want to finish, read it yeah. I want to read it so didn't obviously finish mine oh, whatever yeah
1: anyway uh, if you want to see photos from today's episode you want to see the car you want to see the spooky looking woods no thank you sorry new hampshire but no thanks. hard pass yeah uh, you can find us on instagram at this podcast doesn't exist no apostrophe, and you can also find our Linktree bio, uh, link, our Linktree link in our bio, <laughs> so many words. Yeah, it is. Where you can find us on all the listening platforms, even though obviously you've already found us on one of those. But Then you can share it to the friend who has an Android on Google Podcast. Yes, there you go. Shelby. Shout out to Shelby. <laughs> uh, and you can find our bingo card there as well. Please take a screenshot and share it on
0: Instagram. We'd love to see it. We'd love to Seriously. see how, how it's going. And if you end up winning a bingo for a episode, make sure you send it to us because we want to shout you out and say thank you for listening, first of all, but also congratulations for winning. And it's just an easy, fun thing to do while you listen. You know, if you're not doing laundry like I usually do when I'm doing
1: podcasts. Or driving. (laughs) Or driving. Please
0: don't bingo and drive. Yes. Amen. All right. And if you have any stories you want to tell us, any theories about what possibly could have happened to Mara or what her thought process was, um, you can email us at thispodcastdoesntexist at gmail.com, no apostrophe, and we'd love to hear from you. Truly. Our inbox is currently empty. Please fill it. <laughs> yes. It doesn't have to be specifically
1: related to this episode. We will accept feedback, suggestions, Seriously? stories. Also, I had this thought the other day. If there are any conspiracy theories or weird things that you believed as a child oh. um, that you did not learn were false until later in life, we'd love to hear those too. We just come be our friend. We'd love to include you and... Speaking of inclusion, please share the podcast with a yes. friend. If you think they would enjoy it, they would enjoy hanging out with us. We would love to have them. And while you're at it, please subscribe, rate, and review.
0: Yeah, give us give us a nice little five stars, please. Um, if you don't want to give us five stars, you can go ahead and not rate or review, <laughs> but instead send us an email as to what we could possibly do better in your eyes or your ears. so all that to say thank you for listening and remember this podcast doesn't doesn't exist